My next guest is Chef Ed McFarlane. Ed is the executive chef and owner of Ed's Lobster Bar, located in Soho and Sag Harbor. Ed's Lobster Bar has been open for over 14 years in New York City. New York City is one of my favorite cities, y'all. Just letting y'all up front. So I'm about to go back home here a little bit, and I'm from Houston, Texas, born and raised. And it's an upscale fish restaurant that specializes in lobster. You hear me? Lobster, 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 lobster. Don't, dare, don't go there trying to get no chicken. Lobster, lobster, lobster. He grew up in an American Italian household in Brooklyn and Staten Island and got his feet wet as a teenager working in red sauce Italian restaurants and pizzerias. So it's only natural to find such dishes as lobster raviola and lobster, lobster meatballs on the menu at Ed's Lobster Bar. To this day, there are no restaurants who focus on making lobster the star of the show. Well, they the star of the show at Ed's Lobster Bar. Come on now. He's a successful restaurant entrepreneur. He's also talk about building your dream. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, the ultimate authority on lobster, Chef Ed McFarlane. How you doing, Ed? <laughs> Very good. So happy to be here with you today. This is fantastic. And I uh, appreciate your time and, and wonderful, wonderful accolades that you gave me. I'm only hoping that I live up to the image you just portrayed of me. Well, you know, let, let's talk about because a lot of people get into business, even, even a specialty can be a curse, but also can lead you around the right path of success. Because you can open a restaurant and try to be good at a lot of things. What made you make the decision that lobster, which some people may perceive to be expensive, uh, out of their price range when they look at the menu, it's not like it's shrimp, and it's not like it's cod or some or catfish. Why did you settle on lobster? You know, it's interesting because when I was working in restaurants, I had an affinity to cook fish. I really enjoyed the delicateness. And I really enjoyed the fact that you didn't have to do a lot to it. The flavor is all about the lobster itself. So for me, it was about one of my mantras, which is always keep it simple. And I like to keep all of my stuff simple and let the ingredients speak for itself. So for me, lobster was just a natural choice. It was a very niche specific item. It is expensive and it continues to get more expensive as the years go on and, you know, for various reasons. But the one thing I really love about it is nobody was exploring all the different things you could do with it. And it really is an untapped market, you know, right. other than lobster rolls, which you can find everywhere now, you're not seeing people make true lobster raviolis where it's just lobster in the ravioli. Mm -hmm. You're not seeing people make lobster meatballs. You don't see lobster nachos everywhere. We do a lobster ramen now where we get unbelievable flavor in the broth from lobster stock and reductions. So I really just wanted to exploit that mm -hmm. uh, factor that nobody's experimenting with it because it does end up being an expensive ingredient, especially if you don't get stuff right. And, you know, you don't get everything right on the first try. You're really experimenting and doing all different things until you get the dish right. You know, it's not like I threw together the lobster meatball together in the first try. It was perfect. Right. So and, and the same thing with the lobster ramen. So your R&D tends to get a little expensive as as you're working on. These <laughs> well, so. you, you know, I, I can always tell you when I uh, when, when you eat good food and all lobster is not the same. I mean, that's why I wanted to interview you because of the fact that we have so many. You, know, you have lobster on different coasts. You have lobster that. That, that some people say is tender. I've eaten lobster in Hawaii, which they say is a little sweeter. So I'm talking to the authority. And, and this is really a, some serious question I'm asking you because I want to educate my audience as well as educate myself on how do you 
why is it different taste for lobster in different parts where you buy it? And also, is it is is the texture change? Does it change in the type of water that a, a lobster is raised versus free versus uh, you know bought in you know in a, in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in a cultivated environment? Is there a difference in the lobster? So there's there's a huge difference in lobster. First, nobody's farm raising lobster, so we'll just throw that out of the equation. It's too expensive to farm raise. Mm-hmm. It's much it's much cheaper even even at the high prices for for the lobster to be wild caught. They've done experiments um, where they've tried to raise lobsters to a pound and a half. It's just too time consuming and and too much money. It just takes too many years. Mm -hmm. They do, however, hatch them in Maine and up in the Northeast for the, what is, in my opinion, the greatest lobster, which is the North American lobster, what we tend to call Maine lobster. They do pull the lobsters visibly showing eggs out of the water, bring them to hatcheries, They'll hatch them and distribute them across rocky ocean bottom so they have the best chance of survival. But there is a big difference in the lobster. You know, our lobsters here that we use at Ed's and the traditional Maine lobster that you get on the northeast in Canada as well that we have for lobster rolls, we're using tail, knuckle, and claw, uh, although most lobster rolls use knuckle and claw meat exclusively. There is a difference. Our Our lobster is from colder, sweeter water. When you're using the uh, rock lobsters that you find uh, across South America, uh, South Africa, Australia, mm-hmm. and Florida, stuff like that, where you know the guys are diving down and pulling up these beautiful big lobsters, right. you're, just, you're just eating the tails. Uh, in my opinion, the the meat tends to be a little tougher. Uh, not that they're not delicious. You wouldn't use them for a lobster roll. Um, if we're talking specifically lobster rolls, one of the biggest differences you would find in the product that you're getting is whether people are cooking lobsters where we cook and chill all of our own lobster meat in-house or they're buying the stuff out of the processing plants at, that comes from the main shedders. And, you know, I don't know how in detail you want me to, to talk about that shedding season is when you kind of if you've ever taken a whole lobster and you right. can crush it with your hands. Right. That's, that's a shedder. And the shedders can be very sweet, but there's also less meat in the shell. But what happens is they'll send those to the processing plants because they don't live a long time out of the water and they can't withstand the shipping. Um, so what will happen with those is they'll go to processing plants. And that's the traditional stuff you see when you're on the main coast or you're getting a less expensive lobster roll and the texture is kind of weird and stringy, that's because the meat's been frozen already. And that's how you kind of know the difference in in the Northeast lobster. If you get that beautiful lobster and it's big chunks and you're biting it kind of like what we do here and some of the other places that I've worked at across New York City before I opened my own place, or you go to like the shack type style place and you're taking a lobster roll to go and you'll notice the meat's a little stringy or it's more watery. That's because they're using the frozen lobster meat. And that's kind of the more traditional way to make it because it's the less expensive way than having labor where somebody's busting lobster out of the shell all day. And that's their that's their job. Well, the whole thing is the experience. 
Now, Ed, the, the experience is the restaurant experience, going in there great and great food. Go and get to the menu because I'm a foodie. I got to get to the menus, especially yeah. when we're talking about the, you know, the tortilla chips and the pica de gallo and the lobster cheese sauce <laughs> and the chopped lobster <laughs> and the cilantro. You know I got to get there because I, yeah, I'm yeah, a nacho absolutely. guy. Nothing like lobster nacho. That's what we're about to get to in a minute. But the, <laughs> but, the, but the experience, man, is where I really get out of a restaurant. I don't care what the food is, but if I don't get the experience of walking in and feeling great service, the ambiance. Talk about the ambiance of your locations. I'm talking to Chef Ed McFarlane. He owns Ed's Lobster Bar, which is an institution in the New York market. He now has one outside of the city in Sag Harbor. But let's talk about the experience and why it was so important for you to create, become an authority on lobsters, but also to have the experience to be unique to your facility, to your restaurants. You know, it all starts at the top, and it's important to create an atmosphere that's warm and friendly for everybody. And, you know, listen, every single restaurant is not for everybody. Uh, we specialize in something very specific. We're not a diner and not that there's anything wrong with that food, but there's places for everything and you cannot be everything to everybody. So first and foremost, we wanted to create an atmosphere that was Nantucket meets New York City meets Maine. So you get a little bit of the shacky element. You get a little bit of the upscale beach culture, but thrown into a casual, fast-paced New York atmosphere right. where you're coming in, we're very, uh, very bright, white-looking marble, stainless steel accents, and but you want to be swept away to the beach. That's the whole purpose of the concept. You're walking off of the New York City street, mm -hmm. getting out of the hustle and bustle, and you want to be somewhere where you're welcomed in a friendly atmosphere. And, you know, that starts from the top. It's all about mindset and creating the environment that you want your customers to enjoy. And, you know, I like an environment where it's friendly, casual. You sit down at the bar, you're chatting with the bartender, you're chatting with the server, you're chatting with the people sitting next to you. And anybody could be walking through the door mm -hmm. and we get anybody in the restaurant from, you know, the restaurant owner, chef, casual person of the city to celebrities. And everybody's in this tight little box in area. And <laughs> it's wonderful. You know, there's nobody's hiding in Ed's Lobster Bar. It's right. all for the open. There's no hidden booths or anything like that. And even in the new space, that's not going to exist either mm -hmm. because we're moving down the street from our old location mm -hmm. to a new corner spot, just one block down in Soho at 155 Grand Street. So, you know, it's, it's all about creating an experience. It starts, it's the experience. You're right. When you say you want to go in somewhere, I, my staff's been with me forever the customers come back and they come back because it truly is a place where the servers do know you. But let's, let's talk about the, the beginning here. You know, you know, you wanted to be a chef because I love your personality because you're a good talker. First of all, you're a good talker. You have a great personality. So you could have been a lot of things other than a chef. Why did you, Ed, why did you become a chef? You know, it's interesting. And, and I call it my epiphany story because I had a bunch of jobs. I was working in the pizzeria. I had a job working on the docks at the time. I was working at the Board of Elections in New York City as a part-time job. Right. I had just dropped out of college. Mm -hmm. And I woke up. I, I woke up one morning and I went, I want to cook. <laughs> I woke up in the morning and said, I want to cook. And I went, I was, I was driving the Board of Elections truck. I was driving people from Staten Island to the city. Mm -hmm. And I stopped at the magazine stand while I was sitting in the truck because I had to sit outside in the van. And I grabbed, I said, you know what? I'm going to grab a cooking magazine. I grabbed, the, 
I literally grabbed an issue of Gourmet Magazine. And, you know, they were gourmet. we had Gourmet Magazine in the house, food and wine. I never really picked them up. But I said, you know what? I'm going to culinary school. I'm going to cook. I'm going to start working in the city. I grabbed the magazine. I started flipping through it. And there was an ad in there for the French Culinary Institute. I mean, this is, this is 100% true, unabridged version of what happened. I pulled the magazine. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, at that time, uh, we didn't have cell phones yet. Right. So the next day when I got out of bed, I picked the magazine up and I made the phone call. I made an appointment to go and see the school. Within three months, I was in school. Within nine months, I had graduated the culinary program and I was working at Pichelin in New York City. I mean, that is literally how fast it happened. But the one thing I have to say is that without knowing it, I mean, I've studied mindset now over the past couple of years, but without knowing it, my subconscious from all the years was working right. in that fashion, pushing me in that direction. And I just 10 X myself, you know, like all the self-help guys and everything all talk about 10 Xing yourself right. and massive action. I went all in. That right. was it. Boom. I decided it. I went all in within, within a couple of months. I was there mm-hmm. within six months. I was done. I was working in New York city I was working in a three-star restaurant right? and I was going to work six days a week. And if they needed me there more, they said, come, I went. Right. That was it. No questions asked. I just kept showing up and showing up and showing up and putting the time in. Well, Chef, I I, I, I just got to slow everybody down. First of all, when, I, when, I do, when I'm doing an interview and I'm engaged, <laughs> say, there's a lot of chefs come out of the kitchen and talk to you. You know, these restaurants. Now, your behind come out. I want you to sit down. How do, do you engage? Uh, you, I, I'm saying a stupid question. Because I know you do. The customers have to love you, man. They, you have to have a loyal base. When you come out, they, they probably put you probably put people's, a smile on people's face because they know you love the business. They know you're passionate about the food. They know you're an expert. And you're a celebrity, too, because you appear on TV all the time. You judge on different shows and things like that. How do your customers react to you? Because you are... I like to say a celebrity, but also you are a down-to-earth guy because this personality, I can see myself walking in the pizza pizzeria, you go, hey, 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 <laughs> I can see that happening to you. It's, it's, it has to be a fun atmosphere at Ed's Lobster. You know what? It has to be. And you know what? It's all about smiles on people's faces, and it starts with the staff smiling. Smiling staff makes customers smile. But I talk to customers all the time. I love engaging. It's hard to get me to sit down. I don't stay still for that very long. But if you're sitting at the bar, mm-hmm. I'm happy to go stand behind the bar and chat <laughs> with you and, and, and have a drink and, mm-hmm. and kind of discuss whatever you want. And, and it's interesting. You know, I've, I've always tried to take the ego out of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it gets hard sometimes. And I'm not a big ego guy. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things I've kept out of the restaurant is that, you know, like this is an industry full of egos. Uh, servers have egos, cooks have egos, bartenders have egos, mm-hmm. chefs have egos, managers have egos. And, you know, if, if it comes from the top where it's not about one individual, but it's about the whole success of the of the staff together, it really changes the way things go. And, and I get people come in and they go, chef, take a picture with me. Sure, no problem. I have people <laughs> that I know who look at me and go, are you really taking a picture with somebody? And, you know, and I know you're videotaping me, but this is what they get. Double thumbs. <laughs> yes, I'm taking a picture with them yeah. because they asked me to take a picture. The people they know me, they want to break them, and and that's what they literally get. And that's that's me walking through the dining room. It's this, right. you know, go go stick it to yourself if you don't like it. But you know, I, I want it to be big. I want it to be loud. I want it 
I want it to be boisterous and I want it to reflect who I am. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fun guy. I'm always joking around. I like to tone it down. I am a disruptor, right? My guys, right. you know, I, the first five, six years, the restaurant was open. I cooked on the line every day, mm-hmm. lunch and dinner. Right. Then I expedited the food until I got to the point where I was comfortable and I was ready to start expanding and move Mm -hmm. myself out of the Mm -hmm. kitchen and be that personality outside. Mm -hmm. But my guys, man, they've been with me forever. They go, chef, get out of the kitchen because (laughs) they're cooking and it's busy. And if I'm back there, they're like, chef, stop, stop, because I'm chirping in their ear. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm disrupting them as I'm helping them put the food out and it makes it quite comical, but you know, they're getting frustrated because they got to do their job. And then they got me kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Going that, going, what are you doing? Come on, pick up the pace. Come on, that's not the way you do that. And you know, my staff, my kitchen staff has been with me. My guys on the line. Mm-hmm. Most of them are 10 years. I'm open 14 years. Most of those guys are only 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, the servers have changed, but I still got a few people with me right. that, that have been with me seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years as well out in the front of the house. So, you know, I, I've created an environment that the people do well. They want to come to work every mm-hmm. day, but, you know, they, they, they much prefer me out talking to the customers right. than in the back, <laughs> shoving the food out of everybody. Going, no, 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 we're going to get the food out. We're going to get the food out. I tickets are the enemy. The I tickets on the board are the enemy. Right. I want the food off the line. Let's I, go. I love it. And, you know, uh, hearing the word family, I hear the word relationships and, and saw what happened because of New York City became the epicenter of COVID-19 and seeing a, a, a city I love shut down and seeing uh, Broadway shut down. How did that impact your business? Because this is family and suddenly you couldn't do what you do normal. Your energy had to change and shift out. I'm sure that was probably the most dramatic part of your life in the 14 years that you own Ed Lobster Bar in Soho. Talk to everybody about how you dealt with it emotionally. How did you woke up one day? Hey man, stop crying in your own, you know. Yeah, this is, this is this is a this is a good story because I had I had the high and the low during this period and mm-hmm. and then you know kind of build it back up and I never concerned myself with takeout as a cost center mm-hmm. I never concerned myself with the delivery apps because the restaurant was busy and I didn't think my food traveled well mm-hmm. I literally went from having customers in my restaurant to getting one order a day and it was my friend delivering food to his office. Right. And that was my only order for mm-hmm. the first week of COVID when we shut down. And, and I said to myself, if I shut this restaurant down, I'm shutting my life down. I'm shutting down what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm shutting down who I am. And I'm shutting down where I go every day. So I refuse to close. Mm-hmm. I refuse to close. I said, I'm going to figure this out. And I doubled down my efforts. And, you know, I went back to showing up at work 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. and staying until the door was locked. And I sat there with my computer out and and I sat there with a budget, a budget calculator. Mm -hmm. And I went to my guys Mm -hmm. and in the kitchen because, you know, truly these people are family because they've been with me for so long. These aren't transient employees that work for six months and leave. Um, Most of my wait staff didn't want to work. And I honestly, I didn't have a job for them. Mm -hmm. So I kept a couple of them on. And I said, listen, this is what I can afford to give you for hours. And I gave my front of house manager a few a certain amount of hours to work with mm-hmm. and i went to my guy in the kitchen i said you know we went from i think in the kitchen from like 400 hours a week wow. to I, I gave him 140 hours and i literally said to him i'm giving you 140 hours you talk to everybody you guys divvy up the hours however you want if you want three guys to work 
the three guys are going to work the hours. Mm -hmm. If you want to split it between everybody equally, mm -hmm. everybody's going to do it. I said, but we're getting rid of the cleaning service. Anybody who works, we're back to old school restaurant. Every night, everybody cleans. Every morning, everybody cleans. Everybody does every job. Everybody's a dishwasher. Everybody's a cook. Everybody's a prep guy. Everybody's packaging food to go until we figure this out. And, and I said, when, when, when we figure out how the PPP stuff's going to work and we'll make some changes at that point, but this is what I have to focus on. I have to focus on budgeting and figuring out how I'm going to stretch this money until we start to do business again. Right. And I went from, I went from doing one order a day in takeout to over the course of six weeks to doing over a hundred orders a day in takeout. Wow. Wow. And I, you know, it's just, you know what, where, and it's really true where you focus your attention is where you build. Right. Right. And as soon as we went back to opening and my attention went away from the takeout and delivery, mm -hmm. the takeout and delivery dropped off and we started getting customers back in the restaurant. Uh -huh. uh, but, but it was, it was really interesting. I mean, I was driving deliveries to New Jersey. Right. I was driving deliveries to Westchester, uh -huh. to Brooklyn uh -huh. myself, uh -huh. because I would say like, you know what, if I had somebody that was willing to do a big order, right. I was going to take it to them because you know what, there's nothing more humbling than going, I have a full restaurant to having, I have one order per right. day. Right. One right. Order per day. What am I going to do? Right. And, and I, I kept the key people on site. But it was interesting because I literally went back to working seven days a week. And, and you know, when, when you start working seven days a week and I have family at home and I have small kids and mm -hmm. daddy, where are you going? Daddy, where are you going? You know, they were used to me being home in the morning. Mm -hmm. I was home every morning with them, dropped them off at school mm -hmm. and I went to work mm -hmm. and I wasn't home anymore. Wow. I was leaving at 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. and I was getting home at 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was FaceTime phone calls. But I got to the point I worked seven days a week. It was 59 straight days. Mm -hmm. And I literally snapped like a twig. The delivery guys are outside. You know, they started, you know, the rules were ever changing for us. Mm -hmm. You could sell liquor. You couldn't. You could let people inside. You couldn't let the delivery guys inside. This one mask, no mask, the whole thing. Now I got six tablets in here. <laughs> I've never done this before. Mm -hmm. The things are beeping. The delivery guys are trying to pick up from five restaurants at the same time so they can make more money. And they're yelling in the restaurant, where's my order? Where's this? Where's that? Mm -hmm. And and I'm, I'm trying to be there by myself during the day, have an mm -hmm. assistant at night mm -hmm. to help me in the front. And mm -hmm. I'm sitting in the computer. I'm trying to punch orders in. I'm trying to coordinate stuff in the back. And I literally... Literally, no joke. I lost it. I, I literally lost it. I went from being like this massive mindset guru, like, yeah, we're all working together. Everything is great. We're going to figure it out to shut the F up. You'll get the food when I get it. Right. If right. you don't like it, leave. I love it. <laughs> and, 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 and then I literally was screaming. I afterwards, I apologized to everybody. I walked in the kitchen. It was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. It was a Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. I walked in the kitchen. I apologized to my whole staff. And I said, guys, we're all off on Monday. Mm -hmm. The restaurant's closed. Mm -hmm. I need a day. Right. And literally from that point, I said to myself, I'm, 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 I'm going to lose it because I can't afford to put people on. But mentally, I can't afford to be here. My kids are at home crying when I leave the house. Right. I'm getting frustrated that, you know, these guys outside in the street are trying to work. Uh -huh. But, you know, like it's, you know, we're all trying to figure it out and we're not a takeout restaurant. And, and, and my guys in the kitchen 
aren't used to doing takeout either. They're used to plating meals, mm-hmm. serving customers, mm-hmm. and now we're just throwing it all together. Mm-hmm. And and I literally was like, you know what? We're closed on Mondays for the next three weeks. I have to have a day off. Everybody's off. <laughs> and that, and and, uh, and it was a, it was a learning lesson because even if you're going to go all in, you still have to have time for that mental reset. If you're not giving yourself the time to recuperate from your efforts each and every day, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're not at your best. And I wasn't at my best anymore. And, and, it, and, and it wasn't because I wasn't spending enough time at home. Right. It wasn't because I wasn't spending enough time at work. Right. It was because I wasn't giving myself enough time to rest and reset my right. brain right. for each and every day. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I got a few minutes left here, but I, I yeah. want to go to a couple of your favorite. I'm a foodie. I've been saying that from the jump. And, you know, I went to your social media timeline and got nervous because I could, I, I got nervous because it was looking good. You know, see, <laughs> see, that's how I have it. I, I see good food, man. I go, wow, man, that's really tasty. Uh, well, I mentioned earlier about the, the, the lobsters and the nachos and the cheese and the pica de gallo and the cilantro. Tell me yeah. two of your favorite menu items that when someone goes to the Ed's Lobster Bar, that it really, it really is, is a winner. So, so listen, first and foremost, if nobody's ever been to the lobster bar, I literally say to them, if you've never been here, you should, somebody at the table should get a lobster roll, even if you're going to split it, because that's truly what's made the restaurant popular was the lobster roll. Mm -hmm. However, to me, the best dish on the menu is the lobster ravioli. It's all lobster inside. We make a lobster pasta, fresh made Mm -hmm. pasta with Mm -hmm. lobster paste in it. The cream sauce has a lobster reduction in it. And it's just bursting with lobster flavor. That, that's always something I tell people, listen, if, you, if you're looking to eat, it's a heavy dish. But that's my favorite dish on the menu. Uh, however, the lobster nachos, uh, since I put them on and they've been on the menu for just over a year now, that was kind of creation out of COVID. You know, you can't sit yes, still. Yes. You've, got, you've got to create stuff that travels. Yes. So nachos, everything packed separate. That That's selling like crazy at, at the restaurant. <laughs> and we're, we're frying the chips in the restaurant. They're hot. We're wow. making a cheese sauce that has a ton of lobster stock in it. Mm-hmm. So this way you're getting a lot, a lot of flavor. I use that same sauce in the lobster mac and cheese. Woo! And then, you know, fresh pico de gallo every day. Chopped lobster, pickled jalapenos. It's a traditional, it is a traditional <laughs> nacho dish, but with chopped lobster in it and 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 lobster reduction. So to me, that that's like a that's a go-to dish now. Absolutely. And you know, we move through so many fresh oysters in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's 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 something you don't want to pass up eating oysters in the restaurant because we turn through oysters like crazy. Well, my man, you got me with pickled. See, I listen to when people talk. When he said pickled jalapeno, I went, that's my man right there. Because I hate it when people put fresh jalapenos on nachos. I don't understand where that's coming from. But, my man, it was great talking to you, Ed. I really appreciate you Thank coming you on so Money Making Conversation, That man. was fantastic. I, I loved it. So, it if you're great. not there and you hear somebody say Stephen A. Smith came into your restaurant, know your boy, Rashawn McDonald. Because I'm not going to be recognizable. He's going to be recognizable. Your boy, Rashawn McDonald brought him in there, okay? Well, I'm going to recognize you, Rashan. That's awesome. I really appreciate this. This was fantastic. You're a lot of fun, and I love the energy. I love the vibe. You got it going. Hey, man, you're a beast, man, and I say that in a strong compliment, man, and you stay, stay successful, and you will see me this year in your restaurant. I promise oh, you that. Okay? Thank you so much. All right. If you want to hear any of my interviews or see any of my interviews on Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.